We're going to look at the parallels tonight between the Old Testament Passover and the New Testament Lord's Supper. The Passover was instituted in uh, Exodus chapter 12. They observed it when they left Egypt, and then they observed it every year thereafter. The, the Lord's Supper was instituted at the Last Supper, and then we observe it uh, as, as oft as we decide to do so. Uh, we observe it since, since the crucifixion. And we'll take a look at the, the parallels and how that one is a fulfillment of the other. All right, Exodus chapter 12. Let's stand together, if you would. And if your neighbor does not have a Bible, please let them look on with you. We'll read the first five verses of Exodus 12 and then get right into the message. It says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, and this is, of course, they were still in Egypt. They were just getting ready to leave. This was the last plague that God was going to bring upon Egypt, and the, the death angel was going to go over each house, and if the house did not have the blood sprinkled on the doorpost, then the firstborn would die in each home. And uh, he's preparing them for that, telling them how to prepare for, for the Passover. And verse 1 says, And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you, Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb." Your, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, we, we ask your blessings upon this time in your word. Give us, give us understanding. Help us to, to see the correlation between the Passover in the Old Testament and the, the Lord's Supper in the New Testament. And uh, Father, help us to see what our responsibility is also as we come to the Lord's Supper. We ask God that you would speak to our hearts tonight. May the Holy Spirit of God have freedom in this place. And we ask, Lord, that as you speak to our hearts, we'll respond to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Passover is introduced here in, in Exodus chapter 12. And as I said, it's tied to the, the last plague of, of, of Egypt uh, that uh, God brought upon the land. And, and God's eventual f uh, freedom and, and freedom from bondage when he took the nation of Israel out of Egypt. And if, if you look down in, in verses, uh, actually verse uh, verse 8 of chapter 12, it talks about the fact that there are, there are three basic elements uh, in, in the, the Passover. It says, and they shall eat the flesh in that night, that's the lamb, roast with fire and unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. So when they, when they partook of the Passover, 
It had, it had a lamb, it had unleavened bread, and it had bitter herbs. Um, the, it, it's, it's interesting. I love this. Someone showed this to me many, many years ago. In those first five verses, it starts out and it says that you have to have a lamb. And, of course, we, we know that there was, a, a, there was the necessity of a lamb to be sacrificed for the sins of the people. And then secondly, it says, the lamb. In other words, it's not just any old lamb. You better have the right lamb. And of course, that lamb eventually would become the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why John the Baptist, when Jesus was walking along the Jordan River, he pointed to him and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. And then, last of all, it has to be your lamb. It's not enough that it's a lamb and that even that it's the right lamb. It's got to be personalized. It's got to become your lamb. You see that down in verse 5 of Exodus 12. It says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a, a male of the first year. Uh, so it has to become personal. It has to become yours. When Jesus observed the Last Supper with his, with his disciples... They observed the Passover together. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn with me to, to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. Matthew chapter 26. And look with me in verses uh, 17 through 19. It says, Now the first day of the feast of unleavened bread, uh, the disciples came to Jesus, saying unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare for thee to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to such a, um, a man, and say unto him, the, the master saith, My time is at hand, I will keep thy pa the Passover at thy house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had appointed them, and they made ready the Passover. Now, I believe that when they made ready the Passover, they roasted a lamb, and, uh, and they ate that lamb together. Now, you say, yeah, but there's no mention of that in here. No, there isn't, not in any of the Gospels. And there, I believe there's a reason for that. Because the emphasis was no longer on that physical animal, the lamb, that was part of the Passover. But they had the living lamb of God with them. And, and uh, that's where the emphasis was, was on him. And it was on the living lamb. And uh, uh, the, the traditional Passover in Jesus' day uh, included drinking wine. Now, whenever you see the, the word wine, you have to be careful. You have to get it in context. Uh, in context, there are different kinds of wine. There is new wine, basically, and old wine. Old wine is fermented wine. New wine is the fruit of the vine. And when, when Jesus partook in the Passover and in the, 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 the Last Supper with his disciples, and he, he drank the wine, he called it the fruit of the vine. The fruit of the vine. It wasn't old wine. It was new wine. Personally, I believe, again and again, this is just my opinion, uh, it wouldn't surprise me 
if what Jesus did is he took some grapes and squeezed them into a cup. And that represented his blood. And he had that, that, that stain on his hands. Uh, again, I can't prove it, but it wouldn't surprise me if that's, if that's exactly uh, what, what happened. But regardless, uh, you know, people say, well, Jesus drank wine. Oh, he only drank new wine. Why in the world would he violate uh, the Old Testament scripture that says wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. My God doesn't, doesn't contradict nor violate his own scripture in things uh, along those matters. So, so, so I, I'm sure that's, that's not the case. And again, he called it the fruit of the vine. The fruit of the vine in Ma Matthew chapter 26 and verse 29. So that was new wine. Traditionally, now this again, this is not biblical, this is traditional. What, what happened is, is as they developed the Passover, the, the, um, the Jews developed some traditions. And one of the traditions they developed was that they, they, had, they not only had, had wine, but they had four different cups of wine that they drank with their meal. And they had a name for each one of those cups. I find this very interesting. Uh, the, the first one was called the cup of blessing. Well, it was a blessing because that would represent the forgiveness of sins that Jesus Christ was going to bring to us through his blood. The second one was a cup of deliverance. When he shed his blood, he shed his blood not only so we could be delivered from sin, but from death and from hell and from the confines of the grave. And then thirdly, uh, the third cup was a cup of redemption. And uh, by his blood, he redeemed us. We're redeemed. In fact, we have a song that says we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. And that's where the redemption comes is because of the blood of Jesus Christ, which cleanses us from all sin. And then the last one is acceptance, a cup of acceptance. And that's, that's the uh, acceptance in the beloved uh, when a person trusts Christ as Savior and makes that lamb personal. Then uh, we become in Christ, and when we're in Christ, we're accepted in the beloved. Um, the bread was always unleavened bread. And the reason why that is, is because throughout Scripture, leaven is a type of sin. There, and that bread eventually, particularly at the, at the, um, at the, at the uh, Lord's Supper, represents the broken body of Christ. You do not use leavened bread to represent the Savior. Be, again, because leaven is a, is a uh, uh, comes through a fermenting process, it's a rotting process, and that represents sin. And there was no sin in our Savior. There, there was no blemish in him at all. And uh, so, so whenever, whenever the Lord's Supper is, is observed, it's always unleavened bread. In the Old Testament, when they observed the Passover, they, they observed it with unleavened bread. You know, you don't use oyster crackers. You don't use saltines. You know, uh, I've, I've actually heard, and I've, I've heard a preacher say this one time, and it's, I think it's horrible. It's terrible. He says, well, you can use pretzels and Coca-Cola if you want to. No, you can't. Uh, you, you, 
if you want to help yourself, but it does not represent my Savior, okay? Uh, my Savior is represented by purity. And that means pure grape juice that's not been fermented. And that means unleavened bread, which has experienced no fermentation. And of course, when, when, even when Jesus uh, broke or you know, had the bread and shared it with his disciples, he broke that bread. Why did he break it? Well, he broke it because his body was going to be broken for us. And when you, when you see the unleavened bread, and it looks like a cracker because, because of the lack of leaven, it's not raised. And, uh, uh, but, but it's all broken up. It's in pieces. And we'll be, we'll be giving you, and we're going to do it with tongs tonight. There's been a lot of sickness going on and so forth. So nobody will be reaching in there. We'll be using tongs to, to uh, give you the, the, the bread. But, but the idea is that his, his body was broken for us. His pure blood was shed and his body was broken for us. And then there, the, the third thing that was involved in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament Passover, was bitter herbs. And, and uh, that was a dish that he dipped his hand into in order to announce Judas's betrayal. Um, but, but the Passover was traditionally, was, was always, uh, right from Exodus chapter 12, observed with bitter herbs. And that's because he bore our bitterness. Now, we don't have bitter herbs today. And the reason why is because that bitterness is gone because of the blood of Christ. That bitterness is, is, is that, that sting of sin has been removed because of Christ's death on the cross. And he took that, he took that bitterness away and he removed it. Now, Take your Bibles and turn with me, if you would, to uh, Matthew, well, you should be in Matthew 26. Look in, in Matthew 26 and verse 28. Matthew chapter 26 and verse 28. Matthew 26, 28, Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says, For this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. When he participated and 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 actually initiated the, the Lord's Supper. The very first Lord's Supper was observed by Jesus Christ and his disciples. From there on, it was passed on and it became, it, it became one of the ordinances of the church. And there's three basic purposes uh, for the Lord's Supper. The first we, we spoke of in, in detail this morning and it, it's to be observed as a memorial. Uh, when Jesus partook of the, of the bread and the juice together, he said, do this in remembrance of me. And it's to remember what he did. Remember the price that he paid. Remember that, uh, that, that he was the one who shed his blood. He's the one who gave his body as a sacrifice for our sins. And our partaking of it shows and symbolizes our acceptance of it and identification with his death. And I don't recommend that anyone who is not saved participate in the Lord's Supper. And by the way, uh, the Lord's Supper, when, when we participate in the Lord's Supper, the video cameras are going to be off. You know why? Because this is a personal, private time with us together as a local church. But, but who participates in it and who doesn't 
is the individual's business. And parents, uh, I, would, I would recommend that you would uh, administrate over your children and make sure that they have an understanding before they participate in the Lord's Supper and that they know that they're saved. If they're not saved yet, they really should not participate in that because that just simply symbolizes the, the identification and the acceptance that we have by trusting Jesus Christ as Savior that uh, we, have, we have trusted him as Savior and he has, through his body, his broken body and his, his shed blood, he has, he has forgiven and washed away all of our sins. But there's something that's very important, and I think particularly in this town and in this area and the religions that are purported around here, you need to understand that even at the first Lord's Supper, which was the Last Supper, as Jesus instituted that, and it was done afterwards over and over and over again in local churches, Understand, there is nothing miraculous that takes place. Absolutely nothing. It is a memorial. It's a memorial. It's something that is used to remind us of what Christ did. Now, what Christ did was miraculous. He forgave us of all of our sins. He died for the sins of the world. Now, of course, that forgiveness is not applied until somebody makes the lamb their lamb. They, they have to make it personal. But the moment that that, that takes place, uh, that miracle is completed in someone, and when someone trusted, trusts Jesus Christ as Savior, and that atoning blood is now applied to their soul, and, and they have forgiveness of sins. So the first purpose of the, of the Lord's Supper is, is as a memorial as the Passover was also a memorial. It was to remember, uh, first of all, what happened when God miraculously took them out of Egypt and freed them from bondage. But it was also looking forward. It was looking forward to the day when the Lamb of God would come to this earth, the Savior of the world, and take away all of our sins. And then, then secondly, the second purpose is that it reminds us of our responsibility. Take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. 1 Corinthians 11. And this is really the classic passage outside of the Gospels that deals with the Lord's Supper. And as we said this morning, <clears throat> Paul was dealing with abuses in the Lord's Supper but it's interesting to note the wording that he uses. He says, you know, when you gather together. Well, who's he speaking to? He's speaking to a local church. Uh, this is not something you do outside of the confines of the local church setting. You gather together to, to observe the Lord's Supper to, together. You don't do it in the hospital. You don't do it at home. Uh, you do it in the local church with God's people together. Uh, and when I say in the local church, I'm not talking about the building. I'm talking about the people. But we observe it together as, as a church. And in 1 Corinthians 11, verses 26 through 31, it tells us, it reminds us of the responsibility that we have when we come to the Lord's Supper. 
Verse 26 says, For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. And then he, he tells them what he means by damnation. He's not talking about eternal. He's talking about physical. In verse 30, he says, For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, because they did not use the, the Lord's Supper as it was supposed to be used and use it for a time of inspection. First of all, Make sure you're saved. Second of all, make sure you're right with God and that you're being obedient to him. And if that's not the case, then get it taken care of. Get it settled before, before you uh, participate in the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> it, it's, it's not a surprise to me that the best invitations that we ever have around here are just before the Lord's Supper. It ought to be that way. It ought to be that way. We ought to come to the altar, do business with God, make sure that, uh, that we're, we're, first of all, know that you're saved. Second of all, make sure you're right with God. And if there's any unconfessed sin, anything that you need to turn your back on, then do so. And, and, and make sure that you're clean and you're right and, 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 and your relationship is good between you and God. That's part of the... Uh, of, of the whole responsibility that we have when we come to the Lord's Supper. And then notice, in first of all, the, the, the results of those that did not partake of it properly. It says, for this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. But then verse 31 is a blessing because it says, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. And that's exactly what we're admonished to do, is to judge ourselves first, and then after we've done that and got things taken care of, then we participate in the Lord's Supper together. And the, the, the purpose of it is to show the Lord's death till he comes. And it, it causes us to remember not only that he died for us, but also that he's coming again. Look in verse 26. For as oft as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. In other words, this, this uh, memorial will be observed until the Lord comes back. After that, it won't be observed anymore. But we look forward uh, at the Lord's Supper, not just backwards to his death, but forward also to his coming. And that causes us to do this. Go over to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Bible calls the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ the blessed hope. And uh, when Christ comes to take his own, according to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, um, that's something that we look forward to. That's something that, that gives us hope that someday he's coming to get us. And in 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16, it shows us how it ought to affect us. Uh, verse, uh, verse 13 says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, 
and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And that's talking about when he's revealed in heaven and we go up to be with him. Verse 14, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. The blessed hope is, is a purifying hope. And uh, we, need to be, we need to be ready for him to come. Good, good, good way to make sure that you're ready to take the Lord's Supper together is just simply ask yourself, is there anything that you would not want to be in your life if he were to come tonight? If there is, you need to make sure that you take care of it. So it reminds us of our responsibility. It's a memorial of what he did for us. And then last of all, it reminds us of our unity in Christ. If you look in first, back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and look down in verse uh, 33, he says, Wherefore, my brethren, when ye come together to eat, tarry one for another. Talks about uh, coming together, and it reminds us when we do that. And this is why it's not just, a, just an individual thing that you can do all by yourself, but we do together as, as a church family, is because it reminds us of the unity that we have in Jesus Christ as a church and with other Christians. Uh, it, it, you know, um, if, you're, if you're not at peace with, uh, with somebody in this church, if you're not at peace with another Christian that you know that may be outside of this church, you need to take care of that. Uh, you might not be able to take care of it right this second. But what you can do is tell God, say, listen, I, you know, before I participate in communion, I'm going to get this thing taken care of. Before we participate in the Lord's Supper, we're going to make sure that, that, uh, that, that I'm, going to, I'm going to be right with my brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with even this evening during the invitation, walking over to somebody that you might have an issue with and, and get that thing cleared up. Ask for forgiveness. Uh, why? Because the, the, one of the purposes of the Lord's Supper is to bring us together and to remind us of the unity that we have in Jesus Christ. The Old Testament Passover was, uh, was a memorial to remember what, what the Lord had done for them when he brought them out of Egypt, but it also looked forward. One of the things I love about the, the Passover is they took that blood and they sprinkled it upon the doorposts. And when they did that, of course, if you look at, if you look at a, a doorway, they would put it on the top of the doorpost. And of course, when they hit the top of the doorpost, that blood would drip down and hit the ground. Then they would go over to one side and they'd put the blood there. And then they'd go over to the other side and put the blood there. When they did that, of course, they had no idea what they were doing. But we look back at that and we say, man, they just they made a cross. They made a cross. That's what they were looking forward to. They were looking forward to the Lamb of God that took away the sin of the world. And when we participate now, today, in the Lord's Supper, we look back as a, as a memorial, but we also look forward 
to the day when Jesus Christ comes to get us and, and rescues us out of this old sinful world. And then we also look at our personal responsibility that we have to be right before our God. With that in mind, let's bow our heads and close our eyes and, and uh, have a word of prayer, and then we'll, we'll begin our invitation, give you an opportunity to avail yourself of the altar and to, to, to make sure that things are right between you and God. Father, we, we so, we're so thankful for the opportunity to observe uh, the, the, the Lord's Supper tonight as a church family. What a blessing it is because it reminds us of what Jesus Christ did for us. And it is, is, is so good to participate in by eating the bread and by drinking the juice to remember that he shed his blood, he broke his body. He allowed those nails to pierce through his hands. He allowed that crown of thorns to be put upon his head. You know, the, the, the old song says he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have called 10,000 upon 10,000 angels, but he didn't because he knew that he had to partake of that bitter cup so that we could have forgiveness of sins. Our Savior loves us so much, and Lord, you love us so much, that you, you gave your life, you shed your blood, you went through abuse, you took, the, you took the, the sins of the entire world upon you. And the, the Lord's Supper reminds us of that and reminds us of the, the, the horrible price that was paid for our horrible sin. And we're so thankful that you were willing to pay that price for us. We pray, Lord, that uh, we would partake in this Lord's Supper together tonight responsibly by examining ourselves and by looking forward, uh, not only looking backward to what you did, but looking forward to the day when we'll see you face to face. And and just simply ask ourselves the question, if you were to come tonight, even before we participate in the Lord's Supper together, would, would we be ready? First of all, are we saved? And then second of all, are we right with our Savior? God, please bless this invitation. And uh, we pray that you'd work in our hearts. And as you show us sins that we need to confess and turn our backs on, Help us, God, to be responsible and do so tonight. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's do this. Let's all stand together, and we're going to, not going to have any music. There's not going to be uh, uh, any, any, any musical instruments played during the invitation. But this is your time to come. Avail yourself of the old-time altar and spend some time with the Lord, preparing your heart to participate in the Lord's Supper.